3: this time yesterday, we were talking about the fact that representatives of the restaurant and pub sector, all of those businesses, all their representatives will be heading in for a chat with the government. I think there was probably nervousness, certainly from the industry's point of view when they got the phone call from the Taoiseach's office to say, we want to have you in, we want to talk to you, we want to talk about what's happening with the, particularly the COVID passports and other COVID passports been uh, checked. Well, it seems that rep Representatives themselves from restaurant and from pubs said that any of their own members who are not complying should face stiff penalties, they should face fines and they even went so far as to say uh, if they continue to breach the restrictions then the closure is a thing that they are recommending. The meeting happened with the officials in the Department of the Taoiseach's Office and the hospitality sector. And there was a considerable focus, it seems, on the social interactions of the 18 to 24-year-olds. And there's particular concern in the 18 to 24 age group that there is a number using false COVID-19 certs. And I was actually in a taxi on Saturday night and the taxi driver was saying that she regularly picks up young people, particularly after nightclubs or late bars and she says the numbers of them that are talking about the fact that they are using fake COVID ID certs. Well not necessarily fake COVID-19 certs but what they're using is, is somebody else's COVID-19 search. They might have an older sister or an older brother. In some cases they might even be using their parents but nobody is checking it. That Once they just see that there's a COVID search on the phone, nobody's clearly checking and certainly premises are not looking for photo ID to make sure that the name on the COVID search is the person standing before them. Government sources have made it very clear that the option of temporary closure orders is available under the legislation so if businesses continue uh, to flout the rules and the that are in place for allowing people in for indoor dining, for drinking, for dancing, whatever it is, then they, they said they will go as far as temporary closure orders. Businesses within the hospitality uh, sector that do not enforce rules on COVID-19 do not deserve to remain open. And that's a quote coming from the Minister for Public Expenditure, Michael McGraw. He said outlets that fail to enforce the rules, what they're doing is they're putting everybody at risk. He said, overall, there were seeing a pretty good level of compliance, but we could do better and as with everything it is the minority who are going to ruin it for the majority. Michael McGrath says he thinks that the public will increasingly vote with their feet and they leave a premise premises if they're not satisfied with the level of compliance and we certainly have been saying that for quite some time. If you go somewhere and you're not comfortable and you think that they're not abiding by the restrictions that are in place then you know vote with your wallet and leave that particular uh, premise premises. Michael McGrath warned that they would, uh, he's also warned that will be penalties for non compliance. Industry sources then, they said that the meeting was a lot more collaborative than they had been expecting I think that a lot within the industry went in there expecting that there was going to be a huge big rap on the knuckles for them with threats of closure or threats of restrictions and it doesn't look like that's what happened the meeting lasted about 90 minutes and the industry the government said that the industry had been highly responsible overall the industry representatives were told while cases are rising in that age group that I mentioned the 18 to 24 year old they're saying an information campaign will now be carried out in the coming weeks and that's obviously going to be aimed at increasing vaccination update and also reinforcing the basic public health measures. Government officials were told it is the responsibility of the state to enforce the rules and that individual businesses could not police others which is fair enough and you'll hear that from restaurants and pubs and saying they're doing everything right but they are hearing of maybe a business across the road or in another town or you know In another county, they'll hear, they'll talk amongst themselves and they'll hear customers talking and they will hear of others who are not abiding by the rules and regulations, but it isn't up to individual publicans or restaurants to police anybody else. The Restaurants Association of Ireland in a statement said... They felt that uh, the meeting had gone well. They also had a very productive meeting with the Deputy Chief Medical Officer Ronan Glim, and with the government officials. At Cabinet ministers expressed a view that the partnership approach with the industry should continue because they even say there is absolutely no appetite to return to restrictions and I think everybody agrees with that. While there was an air of concern at the continued high rate of infection there is growing confidence that the booster campaign is showing a positive impact and I know earlier on this morning before I came on air I was reading a piece you know showing the booster campaign certainly the booster campaign in the over 80s because they were the first to get the the booster that really does seem to be working and there seems to be a fall off in the number of people over the age of 70 who are testing positive because a lot of those uh, the booster campaign has been already rolled out to them so the booster campaign is certainly having this positive uh, impact. The government, uh, one government minister uh, speaking to the Irish Examiner says, We need to get to grips with living with the virus, and that means keeping things open. This minister said, We want to work with hospitality on this, and they have to play their part in this too. So it does look like that was quite a positive meeting all around, because they say, you know they are right no one has an appetite nobody wants to return to restrictions I think everybody wants to stay safe but nobody wants to see um, you know back to you can't do indoor dining or back to pubs having to close nobody I think absolutely nobody wants that but we need everybody to, to row in and everybody to do what we know is the right thing to do to keep everybody safe, but who are we are particularly trying to protect are the most vulnerable within our community. And then Ben in Black Rock was on to us this morning. He says we should be following the lead of Singapore. And I don't know how many people have heard what Singapore are doing. And this is to do with charging unvaccinated people who end up in hospital. If they end up in a hospital with a COVID complication, Singapore have uh, decided. They announced this yesterday. They say they will stop paying, the COVID medical bills for citizens who are unvaccinated by choice. The government in Singapore says most of those needing intensive care in hospital at the moment have not been jabbed against COVID-19. As of Monday, though, 86% of Singapore's population, they're fully vaccinated. 85% have received one vaccine. So they've got a high take up. They're a little bit close enough to to where we are uh, here. And the government say that in Singapore, they've always been funding the COVID healthcare costs and they've been doing it for the Singapore Nationals, for permanent residents and even people with long-term pass holders like the people who have visas and are staying in Singapore at the moment and they said they've always paid the health bills and that was to avoid they say financial considerations adding to public uncertainty particularly when COVID-19 was just emerging and it was still an unfamiliar disease and they say that that policy will continue for those that are vaccinated who still end up getting COVID-19 if they get complications and they need to go into Hospital, then they will still cover their costs. And they say they'll also cover the costs for people for health reasons who are ineligible for vaccine. And there is a tiny, tiny proportion of people uh, because of a condition that they have, they're not able to get vaccinated. So they say, look, we're not going to target them they still will be able to get free care in Singapore. But they say that at the moment, unvaccinated people in Singapore make up a sizable majority of those who are requiring intensive inpatient care. And they say they're disproportionately contributing to the strain on the Singapore health care resources. So they say because of that, these are people who are unvaccinated by choice. They are going to have to start to pay for their own COVID healthcare costs and they're giving them a lead in. They're not doing it immediately. So this is the case of anybody in hospital at the moment will be told, here's a bill for your care. They're giving people in Singapore until the 8th of December. Now, we'll watch with great interest to see the 14% of people in Singapore who at the moment, through their own choice, have opted not to get vaccinated It'll be interesting, won't it, to see how many of those people now will say, I'm not going to take the risk on this, I'm going to get vaccinated. So we'll watch with great interest the news that comes out of Singapore. But Ben in Black Rock is saying... Is that not something that maybe we need to consider in this country? I know before I came on air this morning, it's over 56% of people who are in intensive care in Ireland this morning are unvaccinated. And do we, is that something, How do, does that sit comfortably with people? I don't know if we would have a government that would introduce that. I don't even know if I could see our own neffet suggesting something uh, like that, that unvaccinated people while you won't be refused hospital bed but if you end up in hospital you will be treated but at the end of your treatment you're going to be faced with quite a hefty bill and I imagine a long stay in intensive care and God knows that has happened. There There is people who have been in intensive care for weeks and weeks and weeks with COVID 19. Uh, You'd, you'd have quite a sizable bill at the end of it. So let's see, Ben in BlackRock reckons, yeah, it's exactly something he thinks we should be doing we should be seriously looking at it because obviously everybody who has been vaccinated and the wider population would benefit uh, from that because so much of our money is going into and will go into intensive care if more and more people end up in intensive care and of course the danger of more higher numbers in intensive care is the elective surgeries, the people that are sitting at home waiting on various operations, children who are in huge amount of pain, waiting for stuff like scoliosis operations, older people who are waiting on hip and knee operations people who are waiting on heart operations even cancer patients like the wider population suffers when our intensive care gets swamped so we have to, that's why we have to do everything to protect our hospital and to protect our ICU and that's one of the reasons why we advocate and there's an advocate we advocate for people to get vaccinated in the hopes that even if you did pick up COVID-19 you have a lesser chance of getting very unwell and obviously the knock on a lesser chance of ending up in the hospital and subsequently taking up one of those ICU beds so should we take the lead of Singapore and set a date and tell people who are unvaccinated if they need, if they end up in hospital, they'll have to provide and pay for their own COVID healthcare care costs? your thoughts welcomed on that. Some reaction uh, to when I'm, well, to Ben in Black Rock was saying we should be following Singapore and charging unvaccinated people who end up in hospital uh, with COVID complications. John says, Patricia, in New Zealand, if you do not have a vaccine your dole money is cut off. You're entitled to no free handouts. We need to do the same here. I can't find any evidence of that, John. I know in New Zealand they talk about having a two-tiered uh, system uh, because New Zealand have a huge amount of people vaccinated now and you're only a into establishing a little bit like here but they really do enforce it and I know in Australia if you are a teacher and you're unvaccinated teachers are losing their jobs they have to be vaccinated in order to uh, go to work Tom in Formoy uh, very much agrees with what is happening in Singapore. We need to follow their lead and implement that here. And those that are going around using other people's COVID certificate, they need to be identified and fined. And if Tom had his way, he would fine them heavily. Mike in Skibbereen says he was at a dancing venue in Enniskine last week and he said he was very impressed with the organisers and the owners there. They took names, telephone numbers for contact tracing. They checked every single person's COVID certificate And because of that, Mike said, he felt very safe in there because of the way things are are done. And I think a lot of people will agree with you on that, uh, Mike. I'm always saying that myself. If I go somewhere and everything is done exactly as as it's meant to be done and you see evidence of uh, staff making sure that everybody's abiding by the rules and regulations and, you know, people are walking around, they're walking around with masks, you do feel safer. And it certainly will encourage you to go back in to that uh, premises. And I think that was one of the points that was made yesterday. I think it was, was Michael McGrath uh, made, that, uh, made that point that he feels that the public will increasingly vote with their feet and they leave premises if they're not satisfied with the level of compliance. <clears throat> and I think if businesses start to lose business, then I think they will really up their game and make sure that they are being compliant. Completely, especially I think if people call out somewhere and, and actually says, look, I am leaving this establishment I'm not going to have a meal here I'm not going to have a few drinks here because I'm not feeling safe and and you know I I don't think you're being compliant with the rules Barry in Bantry says there has been a lot le- he feels there's been a lot less cases in hospitality than in workplaces he said that's according to the latest statistics in the HSPC data so he doesn't know why they're jumping up and down on the hospitality uh, sector he reckons they need to be looking more at workplaces and how workplaces are implementing all of the regulations I don't know why all the focus seems to be on bars and the pushing of covert certificates what I feel we need to do is go back to normality as covert certs are not working it's just becoming a blame game they need now to look at more ICU beds in the hospital and concentrate on that rather than jumping on the bandwagon and pointing the finger of blame at the hospitality sector I don't hear of anybody coming out saying that they will invest long-term in hospitals to sort out this uh, problem. But what you're, what you're saying then is is let more and more people get COVID-19 so that they end up in ICU beds. I don't know if that's exactly the answer either because we we certainly have a lot more ICU beds now than what we say had 10 years ago. But even at that, we're getting close to maxing out on ICU beds. 1850-333-103. Thank you, Barry, for your call. And by the way, we've just found out that five regional winners... For the Unpost Bookshop of the Year for 2021 award has been revealed, and the overall winner from Munster is Kerr's Bookshop in Clonakilty. Congratulations, to everyone! at Kerr's Bookshop in Clonakilty, and the overall winner of the Unpost uh, Bookshop of the Year. Will be announced at the Unpost Irish Book Awards, which is on later on in the month. There on the twenty third of November, but that's a great award for Kerr's Bookshop in Clonakilty to pick up Best in Munster when it comes to uh, bookshops. And uh, we all need to support and make sure that we give our continued support, particularly to the small local bookstores because sadly we've seen many of those bookstores closing because you know more and more people are going online to buy uh, their books uh, and it's, it be, it's always a great sadness I think when a bookstore closes down and it's only when all the bookshops are gone that will bemoan the fact that they are all gone so please, particularly in the lead up to Christmas it's a lovely gift to give, the gift of books, either for adults especially it's a lovely present to give to children so if you are giving the gift of books this Christmas please make sure that you support your local, particularly the local independent bookshops. 1850 333 103, John Paul taking your calls. Cork today on C103.
4: With John. Cusack Insurances can Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
3: Now, the Media and Culture Oroctus Committee have been working on plans to regulate digital media, and they're recommending a ban on advertising to children online, including things like junk food, alcohol, and gambling. Now, while all of that would be welcomed by many, the proposal for a moratorium on advertising infant formula products online is not going down well. Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombard joins me with his uh, views. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning. You're very much against a ban on advertising infant formula now, this is a ban to ban it online, online isn 't it yeah. yeah why are you so against it?
5: yeah, look, I think the committee which i 'm not a member of has produced a report regarding online advertising and how it should be regulated, and they 've issued you know recommendations regarding industries such as gambling such as junk food and other issues pertaining to you know issues in society but unfortunately they 've actually put baby food formula in a part of that kind of remit itself, which I believe when you talk about alcohol, online gambling, and you talk about junk food, baby food formula really doesn't fit in that criteria. Their proposal is that there should be a moratorium on the actual advertising of it, which I'm not actually quite sure what that actually means regarding timelines of what time it should be advertised on the internet. But I do think this debate is unfortunate. I think it sheds a kind of a, a real shadow over the actual baby food formula industry and I don't think it's very appropriate. I think it's an inappropriate response to this issue that needs to be, you know, looked at, but not to the degree of banning it or putting the same category as junk food, which I believe
3: is totally inappropriate. Torture and two very different things. But I suppose health professionals will all say that breast milk is best Absolutely. for babies. So is this all about trying to get more mothers to breastfeed? I mean, is, is, is that their thinking? It is to
5: some degree, but I think it's done more harm than good. I think by putting in with the actual, like, and it's, but from the start, breast is best. And I think, you know, we need to be promoting breastfeeding as, as much as we possibly can. And I think there's been really extensive campaigns along that lines over the last few years, and they've been quite successful. The rates are still quite low. But when you have just co- correlation between junk food and online gambling and baby food formula, it really doesn't make sense. And if anything, it's a step backwards. And it kind of does nothing but damage the actual, industry regarding trying to promote breastfeeding itself.
3: Yeah and I don't know what the answer is to promoting breastfeeding I mean you are right there has been so many campaigns uh, but it, it you know and I know you say it's, it's been some way successful but when you look at the, the, the stats out there only 13% of Irish babies are breastfed after six months. Now when you compare that to the European average it's a 25% and when you look at the global average it's a 38%. Uh, percent.
5: And I think that's some of that is cultural, some of that is unfortunate because we're very busy in our lives. And I think, you know, just some of that is, you know, the lack of having lactational consultants out there, particularly in the community. And I think, you know, it is a very, very stressful time for families, for for women, for everyone involved in the actual scenario itself. Like I remember at home, our first two were breastfed, but when the twins came along... Look, it was just, we tried for a few weeks. It just didn't work. It was impractical. Like we'd four we'd four under five and a half. And yeah, well, that, yeah.
3: that's exceptional. And I'm sure during the pandemic, because so many young mothers felt very isolated uh, to nobody's fault. But, you know, they didn't have maybe their mother coming to, vi- to visit them or they didn't have friends coming to vis- visit them. I'm sure when we look at figures across last year, the numbers are probably even lower.
5: Absolutely, because, again, the lactation consultants in the community weren't actually out there as much as they possibly could because of COVID and because of what COVID did to the issue. And I think, you know, there needs to be a body of work done about promoting breastfeeding and what's involved in it. And, like, all I said in this kind of comment was that basically... It's a really important issue. We need to do more there. But at the end of the day, when you put breastfeeding, when you put baby milk formula in the same lines as online gambling and junk food, you're kind of defeating the argument by putting that kind of kind of fear itself. Yeah, and
3: I don't. I, yeah, and I have to agree. I don't know if it's good. by banning the ads. Is it going to stop somebody from using a bottle over over breastfeeding? And of course, let's not forget, in this country, we produce over twelve percent of the global infant. Formula, is there a fear if there was an advertising ban here, could that have reputational damages worldwide? I mean, I think
5: that, I think like if you look at it, obviously you're aware that the advertising any uh, baby products under six months is banned in Ireland, so you don't see babies in ads regarding any kind of baby foods or baby formulas. So anything under six months is banned at the moment, anyway. So we have a very very good strong regulator there, but this idea about coming on and banning online advertising to the limited degree that's there, it actually, do you know, just damages the industry. It also damages the reputation of being the food nation that we are. And I think that's something we've just been very, very careful of. Yeah, and yeah. like in fairness to briefs, to fairness to this report, she's tackling a very sensitive issue. How do we deal with online and how do we deal with children being, being targeted? But I personally believe, I think families and women in particular, you know, they know what they're at, they know what they're doing regarding um, uh, breastfeeding and regarding actual milk products themselves. They can get fantastic advice from the consultants, from the doctors, from the community. I don't think they'll go and look online for ads regarding milk formula, regarding makeup, their choice of what they're going to do.
3: OK. All right. And where we have you on the line, I opened the programme by mentioning the meeting that happened yesterday between the representatives of the restaurant and pub sector and they were in with the, the government. What's your whole view on this, on the COVID certificate and the checking of the COVID certificate and particularly that age group, that 18 to 24 age group, where we know there's a rise in COVID-19? Uh,
5: I think many ways this is a yellow card industry. I think what the government have kind of done here is they've pointed out that there is issues that need to be addressed. And I think, unfortunately, COVID circles aren't being checked in every premise. Some are, some aren't. Some have different regimes. Some take names and numbers and don't look at your actual um, circle itself, which is totally inappropriate. And I think this has just been an indication that Christmas is coming. We're going to have probably more activity in social life because of that. And we just need to make sure that everything is done appropriately. And there's a body of evidence saying that, you know, maybe 30% of premises aren't actually doing the appropriate covert cert checking, which is inappropriate. I think because of that, we need to kind of give a yellow card to the industry. And if you listen to the industry response yesterday, they were quite straight that more needs to be done, that we need to make sure that all the regulations are in place.
3: Yeah, but they're also saying that they can't police each other. I mean, individual restaurants and, and bars no. can, you know, be, bring their A-game and be as good as possible when it comes to being compliant. But if, you know, Johnny down the road in his pub yeah. is, is a free-for-all, it isn't up to the pub up the road who's doing everything right to police them. I mean, I do conc- we totally. need, you know, we need more inspections.
5: Yeah, and I think that was what the industry was saying with, the, uh, with their meeting to government, that They'll do their bit, but there is, unfortunately, rogue operators out there, and rogue operators need to be dealt with, and that involves the HSC, that involves the Garrish that involves having an active campaign to make sure that there's a checking of the premises to make sure that premises are actually applying to the lettered law. And that was very obvious last night talking to the actual uh, people in the industry itself. That okay. they their view here is they can't do it all themselves. There must be a level of compliance brought forward from the garshi corner and the HSC. And I would expect you're gonna see a lot of that happening. Okay, and I think because there's no be.
3: there's no appetite for a return to restrictions. No, Tim.
5: no, no. And I think if you look at society, society's moved on or comp like we're up to ninety two, ninety three percent um vaccination rates. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, we'll be going from the five to seven-year-olds being vaccinated. So you're going to see a huge cohort of the entire population done by the next January. And we're rolling out the booster actual shot now as well, which is a really important safeguard for our communities that, you know, have over six months of actually been vaccinated. So there is so much happening here. But I just think the next maybe five to six weeks are so important for us. If we do have the same thing that happened last Christmas, we'll have a very bleak January and February because we'll be going the wrong way.
3: Uh, by, by the way, when you mention about the, the people being vaccinated over six months, do the COVID certs go out of date?
5: Oh jeez, we really asked to Question yeah, I no.
3: The, the reason I've asked you, I know I've, I've John Paul checking it as well. Uh, a listener has contacted us who reckons their their COVID cert is out of date, and we're and we're trying to get it checked. Uh, Maria New uh, Market says uh, p- people going into restaurants uh, checking their certs. What if your cert is out of date? My two jabs are now out of date. Uh, so will we be allowed into places even the cert uh, says I have been vaccinated? So we're looking into it. I I didn't hear of Never heard certs go out of it's, No, and no. we've I've, we just checked our own certs and there doesn't seem to be anything on it. So so we'll get further clarification from Marie. Okay, listen, Tim. We leave it there. Thank you for that. uh, Thanks for joining us. That is Fine Gael Senator uh, Tim Lambert Uh, and on the issue he joined us about the banning of baby formula, ads for baby formula online to try to encourage more women that breast is best. Somebody says we are really becoming a nanny state now. There are more important things going on than banning the advertising of baby formula. Is this not yet another guilt trip on the mothers? How many women are on that committee? I don't have the actual number but I will check it for you but there are definitely Women because I know they, the chairperson of the committee is, is a woman so there are women uh, on it but somebody said it's just a guilt trip for mothers 1850 333 um, Sheila says Patricia I remember one time Now uh, I'm assuming this is many years ago Sheila a lady drank pochine at a party and was actually breastfeeding she said the baby slept for two full days after that that's by text to 0862 103
0: 103. Cork today on C103
4: with John Cusack Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. cmig.ie.
3: The town of Yarl is hoping to develop a proper family resource centre to address issues of disadvantage when the town was identified as having a higher than average number of single parent families and a bigger number of children who have fallen behind in in education and social development to discuss what is needed. I'm joined by Shirley Smith. Now Shirley is part-time coordinator of the recently formed Yall Family Resource Initiative. Good morning to you, Shirley. Good morning, uh, Patricia. You're, you're very welcome to the program. I suppose start off firstly by telling me about your group, how it came about, and who's involved in it.
2: Um, yes. Yeah, so I suppose for many years, uh, local community groups like Common or the Yall Residents Network Freoga has been trying to get um, a family resource centre in Yall um, for about 20 years now. Um, So they came together as a steering group, and I started then part-time in March of this year. So Bernardos is the lead employing agency, but I'm managed by a steering group from all the local interested groups, that have been trying so long to get a family resource centre in y'all.
3: And what services are you currently providing?
2: So right now we have an after school,
3: well um,
2: and that is uh, we're based up in the Youth Reach Centre. And um, the Cork East Cork ETB have given us two porta cabins in the afternoon. So we run an after school for uh, on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And we were also just moved into a new premises in the town um, where Dr O'Callaghan's surgery building across the road from Aldi is, so on Catherine Street, to set up a parent hub here. So we'll run parent courses, we'll have parent drop-in service and run parent workshops.
3: But if you had your own dedicated family resource centre, could you expand all of that work?
2: Oh, absolutely um i suppose realistically our after school service is one in the etb and their classroom style like if we had our own family resource center we could have like a sensory room a chill out space you know just a space that's more in keeping and also have a greater number of children and ha- operate the service you know 5 days a week rather than 3
3: have as, you, as have, it you is presently. have you a waiting list for children who'd like to attend Yes, we do. Ah, um, there tough. is
2: a massive demand for affordable, I suppose, community school-age childcare in Yall, um, and and in early years as well. You know, uh, and we can't offer those at the moment. We just have to work with what we have.
3: Is unemployment surely a big issue in the town?
2: Well, I suppose there the unemployment rate. I suppose in in Yall is. I suppose, uh, higher than the national average. The national average would be 13%. Mm. And in Yale Urban, it's 18%, we'll say. The county average is 10%. Because predominantly, it's a tourist town. And it has a history of manufacturing, which is in decline. So there is a problem. Um, there is It is difficult for, for families in Yale to be in, you know, to have work.
3: And I was surprised to read that you have a higher the, an average number of single-parent families. And we know, because all the research and the statistics are there, to show that families headed up by one parent are always much more disadvantaged than a family headed up by two parents.
2: Yeah, so I suppose in y'all, um, urban, it's it's 10% higher than the national average. Um, so it is something that, you know, one-parent families need support and need to get um, help. And, and parenting is tough at the best of times, but when you're parenting by yourself, it's an extra challenge. Um, you don't have that support network that you might have, do you know? So it uh, is. Yeah, it some, is a big, hard. there is par- big parenting needs in you all, and it's a bigger reason why, you know, one-parent families really need support to have affordable childcare and to have a community childcare service in y'all, which the Family Resource Centre would hope to have.
3: Would many of the children, Shirley, you've been working with, would they have been particularly impacted by COVID lockdowns and schools closing, for example?
2: Yeah, I think, like, it's it's across the board. I mean, children can't tell us how they feel, but they show us it, with, through their behaviours, you know. Um, so I think, you know, parents, schools, across the board are saying that, you know, children are showing signs that the COVID pandemic has impacted them, particularly the lockdown. And, you know, they might be quick to anger. They might be more withdrawn. They might be more anxious. So there's more parents, I suppose, feeling that they need the support of an FRC now um, to kind of help them to figure out new ways to tune in with their children and to support them to bounce back, you know.
3: Okay, so where does funding come from from family resource centres?
2: Um, we get some funding from
3: TUSLA at the
2: moment. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, that's how I'm in this part time position. Uh, but we were looking for funds and and constantly trying to find ways to grow the service. So yeah. Would but you? Now yeah.
3: Would you have to get out there and fundraise? Do you think at some stage?
2: Uh. We're, we're, at the moment, we're doing funding applications. Like, okay. the all the credit union has helped us a little bit. And, you know, um, the ETB, as I said, are giving us the port cabin space uh, at no cost to us. So, like, people are trying to help us where we can. But, yeah, it is something that we need to do.
3: Okay, but Porta Kevins, as you say, not ideal. Okay, keep in contact with us, uh, Shirley, and we wish you luck uh, with it because it sounds like it's a service that really is needed for the area. But thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you, Tr- Good Patricia. morning to you. So Bye much. Bye-bye. bye-bye. Shirley Smith, part-time coordinator at the Yoll Family Resource Initiative.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Somebody's inquiring about the Christmas bonus and when will the Christmas bonus be paid this year and we know that it's 100% Christmas bonus which means a double pay week uh, for people who are entitled to it and there's a long, long list by the way of people who are entitled to it this year and the Christmas bonus for weekly pensions and welfare benefits will be paid out between December 6th and December 10th. So it's that first week in December, whatever day you normally, if your payment goes into the bank, whatever, it's, it'll be on that week. Or if you go to the post office to collect your pension, it's the week of December 6th. So the, kind of the first little bit into uh, December. OK, covert certs. When I, I and th- my thanks, by the way, to Senator Tim Lombard, who on leaving us the interview got straight onto the Department of Health when I put the question that came in from a listener who thought that her COVID search was going to go out of date and uh, was wondering what was it was Marie in Newmarket and was wondering what was happening with the COVID certificates because she is six months past having her second jab and she was led to believe that the COVID search was then out of date. Senator Tim Lumbert has checked with the Department of Health and there isn't an official sell-by date almost on your COVID certificates. They don't go out a date. There isn't an actual date on it. The date that's on it obviously is the date that you received your second jab or in the case of the people that got the one jab, uh, Johnson & Johnson. But they don't actually go out a date. But when I was trying to check for Marie because I thought maybe something had happened in her case that she used her COVID cert and she was told that it was out of date. I did see a piece that came out in the middle of October uh, to do with Covid certificates and the fact that for some people who want to travel on their Covid certificate they could find out that their Covid certificate is out of uh, date because international travel obviously now is back up and running two countries that come to mind would be Croatia and Austria they announced when they were opening up their borders to international travel that they were putting an expiry date on the validity of vaccine uh, certs they initially put nine months after the second jab and then after that they deemed that the certificate was no longer valid and they've since extended it to a, a year but there are other countries Israel and Vietnam they also are saying that they've got a fixed validity period on the certs as well so I would say to anyone who's doing international travel because you don't need to turn up at the airport or worse get on the plane and then when you get off at the other side discover that that particular country are insisting that your cert has got to be you know, that you had to have had your second job within the last six months or whatever it is they decide to bring in. So I will be checking that out with anybody doing any kind of international travel. Make sure that your cert is valid. But at the moment, there is no out of date on COVID certs certainly for this uh, country. But then Mike is, makes an, an interesting point as well. He said, I got my vaccine. I got the first in March and I got the second in May. So I'm assuming it was AstraZeneca and you did three month gap in between the first and the second jab. Now, I don't know what happened here, but Mike said it took until last month, October, for Mike to get his COVID certificate. He said um, he's not even sure what went wrong. He ended up phoning and emailing. Eventually they rang him and it did get sorted and he did receive his COVID certificate. Certificate. He's now being called for his booster shot at the weekend. He's now wondering, will the booster be added to the COVID certificate? And God, Mike is probably worried he will have to wait uh, so long. And I, tra- I checked that while News at 11 was on and I can't find anywhere in any of the information from the HSE to say what is happening with the booster certificate with regard to your COVID certificate. So anyone who's already, I know a number of people have already received their booster jabs. Anyone who already maybe went into one of the vaccination centres to get their booster jab or was in at the doctor. Was your COVID certificate mentioned with regard to your booster? I mean, I can imagine electronically it'll be very easy for it to be added on. But is there anything, do you get a new cert? Do they issue with a new cert? or does, does anybody have any information? As I to say, I can't find anything online, certainly from the HSC. But Mike says just on the. Being called for his uh, booster he has to go to a vaccination centre at the weekend to get his booster. He had his first two jabs at his local GP uh, and now will be going to City Hall at the weekend. Uh, he said really efficient and all very helpful but he said I still feel it would help so much if GPs and pharmacists were allowed to give the booster as well especially for those who find it hard to get to the city Not not everyone is you know, has a car or in a position to be able to drive to the city. I know for those over 70, Mike, GPs in the main are issuing the booster jabs. But I did see in the paper this morning that some doctors practice... Some surgeries around the country who had initially been giving the first and the second dose to their patients have decided that they're not, it's an optional thing whether they decide to give the boosters or not and some GP practices, maybe they're just simply too busy have decided that they're not going to do the booster jab and for those people, for those for their, these are for the over 70s, their patients then will have to go to a vaccine centre instead and I know for the people aged 60 to 69 they're all being sent to the vaccination centres and we've had a number of people in that age group would go on to their doctor hoping their GP and it would be easier to have gone to their GP but unfortunately the GPs are being told no they can't deal with the 60 to 69 year olds unless they're immune compromised they must go to a vaccination centre. So yes Mike I absolutely accept what you're saying and when you mentioned the pharmacies how much easier would it be to pop into your local chemist and I know we spoke with the Irish Pharmacy Union they did a big push to the Department of Health and to the HSE because they are ready, you know, they're already, many of the pharmacies around the country are already operating very successfully the flu jabs and they gave a huge amount of flu jabs out last year and they're doing it again this year. So they have everything in place in order if they could be allowed to start giving COVID uh, booster jabs. They did give jabs earlier on in the process but as The last time we checked in with the HC and the Department of Health, they were saying as of now they're not using the pharmacies for the booster jabs, which is unfortunate and and I think would be much more convenient for a lot of people to go to your local chemist than rather if you're in the county having to organise to go into the city to go to get your jab there. But you're right, when you get to any of those vaccine centres, they are all superly efficient and everybody's so helpful and friendly. It's just it can be inconvenient if you're travelling from the county 100% 100% I agree with you, Mike. 1850 333 On some people using someone else's COVID, COVID certificates and using them to go into hospitality that we mentioned earlier, somebody says, Patricia, once again, the minority are making it harder for the majority. When are the powers that be, when are they going to see that some out there just cannot be relied upon to be responsible. Too many have become so complacent, particularly when it comes to hand sanitization, social distancing, mask wearing. It really is frightening. I've had all of my three jabs. I've had my booster. And to be honest with you, I'm just as reluctant now to mix As I was when it all began. And you're not on your own on that. We've heard from other people who certainly are still very afraid of it because there's still, as we know, there's so much COVID out there, but at least you've had the three jabs, you've had your booster jab, you've done everything that you can to protect yourself. And if, God forbid, you did pick up COVID, you'd be hoping with the double jabbing and now the triple jabbing for you that you'd be protected from getting very unwell, ending up in hospital or ending up needing ICU. So you've done everything right. And all we can do, we can, you know, we can point our finger at those that are not doing it, doing it right. Just keep away from them. You keep doing everything right. You keep doing your hand sanitising, your social distancing and your mask wearing and you'll continue to protect uh, yourself. And and hopefully Covid will never arrive on your uh, doorstep now what else is coming in on uh, COVID Amanda in it was on to say all of her family are vaccinated and, uh, and but, she, but she's wondering about this say this time next year or even as we head into uh, 2022 are we still going to have to isolate for 10 days if we test positive she said her son in particular uh, has been vaccinated but he's now wondering what's the point of even getting a booster if we still have to isolate if we get COVID-19 and he says that some of his friends are laughing at him because they're not vaccinated and if they get COVID-19, they'll have to self-isolate. The very same as her son, even though he got uh, vaccinated. And she says some of his friends are actually uh, laughing at him. Well, Amanda, he'll the last laugh because if the, fr- the unvaccinated friends, if they are deemed a close contact, then they have to self-isolate. Whereas if your son is deemed a close contact and he's fully vaccinated, he doesn't have to self-isolate. Absolutely, if any of us get COVID, you're doing the responsible thing by self-isolating. Hopefully your son will never get it. But even if he did, God forbid, he was to pick it up. He's got added protection, the fact that he's vaccinated and he's protecting everybody else in your household and any other vulnerable person that he might meet. But the last laugh will be on the friends because if they get identified as the sales close contacts, they'll be the one self-isolating where your son could be out in a group of people. and He will not have to self-isolate because he is fully vaccinated. Irene in Mitchellstown says, I feel most establishments should introduce antigen testing on the way in rather than asking people for their COVID certificate Irene has a friend who lives in Northern Ireland who was out and about feeling fine she didn't have any symptoms and uh, she did an antigen test for work wherever she's working they're requiring them to do antigen tests and she was shocked to discover that the antigen test was positive she subsequently went off and had her PCR test which is what they recommend you to do that came back positive but Irene was saying her friend made the point that she'd been out and about for the week previously. She'd been in bars, she'd been in restaurants. And Irene is saying her friend is now worried that she could have been passing on the COVID-19 unaware that she she had it. So Irene reckons she would prefer if antigen testing was introduced for all venues where there was going to be a lot of people. And we had, remember we had the expert on, can't you remember that gentleman's name now? We had an expert on, an expert in antigen testing last week and he was making that very same same point because the one thing with antigen testing they've come on a lot since the first antigen tests that would have come out at the start of COVID nineteen. But the one thing an antigen test will do, it will show up if you have COVID, it will show negative in the early days of COVID when you're not actually spreading, you're not shedding the virus. And it only shows up positive when you're actually shedding the virus. So he was saying for that reason he was very much advocating for antigen testing to be used more widely. I mean, I know they're talking about using it now for schools, for close contacts, but there still seems to be within, certainly within Neffert and Dr. Tony Houlihan, the head guy in at Neffert, our chief medical officer, he's never been a fan of antigen testing, but there's a lot of evidence showing Professor Luke O'Neill has been a great advocate for them as well and there's a lot of evidence and I like the idea that an antigen test will show up positive if you're actually shedding the virus that to me is the most important time that's the time that you need to be keeping away from everybody else because the one thing bad enough you'll be getting it yourself but you don't want to be passing it on to anybody else thank you for your call Hi Patricia my sister and I went to the Smoky Concert in Killarney last Saturday night we had a wonderful night and the Glen Eagle staff were fantastic the young staff there were both mannerly and very professional in herding us oldies into our seats and they had a fabulous system for the bar we are buzzing since and felt so safe. Please, everyone, do as we're asked and keep us all safe. It's hard enough on premises to stay open without giving them any more grief than they're already having. If a concert of that size can be run so safely and everyone having a ball, there should be no problem with smaller venues. We all Need to work together. Thank you for that, and so glad to hear that you had a really good night at the Smoky concert. It sounds like it certainly was a bit of fun. Uh, hi, Patricia. This oh, this is um Singapore. Do you remember earlier I mentioned? that Singapore are bringing in from the 8th of December anyone who's unvaccinated who who ends up needing hospital care in Singapore they're going to have to pay for their hospital treatment and if they end up in ICU they'll end up with a fine bill at the end of it. I agree and then Ben in Blackpool or BlackRock, sorry, was saying that we should introduce it in this country. Yes, I absolutely agree with what Singapore are doing. Basically, it's the taxpayers, we the taxpayers, that are burdened with the cost of healthcare. It's a bitter pill funding the unvaccinated, says this texter. And Michael says, Hi, Patricia, those who do not receive a COVID vaccine by choice and then end up in hospital, yes, they should be obliged to pay for their full hospitalisation and medical expenses. Something has to be done sooner rather than later for the sake of all those who really do need immediate medical attention. Those people who refuse to take a vaccine tell you that it is their right. But what about the rights of the people that require immediate hospital attention? What rights do they have? 1850-333-103 1850 103 John Paul, taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103 C103 Jobs Industrial plumbers are wanted this is for work in Cork City CVs please to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com Part-time sales assistant required to work on floor and tills it's in a busy homeware and furniture shop in Clannacilty They're also looking for a person required for accounts and office admin. CVs for either of those positions to manager at tomsheehy.com. Photophone, they're recruiting field sales representatives for Cork City and County. Uh, CVs please to hr at futureconnect.ie. And office administrator is required for a busy medical centre. Medical centre is near Blarney email maddie at towermedical.ie You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork
0: Today on C103.
4: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. Cmig.ie. dot
3: Fine Gael, Cork, North Central. Doll Deputy Cullen Burke is trying to find out why in Cork and Kerry children have to wait so long for wheelchairs or other medical devices. Deputy Cullen Burke joins me to explain more. Good morning, Colum. Uh, good morning. OK, um, how do we ask a child to wait for a wheelchair? I mean, what are you hearing from families and and have you a number on how many children yeah. are waiting?
5: Well,
6: I was contacted by a parent who was waiting for a medical device for a child that has a speech difficulty and that it needed a particular piece of equipment which would help them to develop their speech. So the application went in in March and still at the end of July, there were still no sign as to when um, it would be made available. So when I started making inquiries as a result of the parent giving me the contacts, etc., uh, I established that the child was number six on the list for equipment. But then I found that in fact there were 28 other children um, affected. And um, when I put down a question to the ministry, it was obviously passed on to the HSE, the parents then got a call saying the equipment was now going to be um, ordered for them and when I made further inquiries I found that an additional 30,000 was made available to the HSC um, to provide equipment for uh, 10 children. That included equipment such as wheelchairs or equipment that was to help people say who had some disability. That means that there are another 18 children who haven't been provided for. And when I put down my question, I asked for details of Area 4 in Area 5. Now, Area 4 covers the Cork carrie region. Area 5 covers from Tipperary over to Carl, Kenny, Wexford and Waterford. And it appears in Area 5, there's no waiting time at all. Once the order is put in, then it's a case of waiting for the order to be uh, delivered on. Whereas, in the Cork Kerry region, you can be assessed and it is decided that you need the equipment, but they can't order it because of the fact that they don't have the funding. So basically, it appears that there's a requirement for about another 60000 in funding to provide for the remaining 18 children. And I don't believe that there should be a discrepancy. If I'm living in Mitchellstone and a parent there puts in a request and it, the child is assessed, I might have to wait 12 months. But I'm, if I'm living up the road beyond Kilbeheny, um and the parent and the HSC there puts in the request. The child won't be waiting at all. So there's that. And
3: that's yeah. And I mean, that's that's basically a postcode uh, lottery, just because where you're lucky or unlucky enough yes. uh, to live. But have you any explanation as to why that happens?
6: Well, obviously, in fairness, I'm not, and I'm not a portioning blame or anything I think, it's one of the glitches that has occurred in the system. Obviously, there wasn't uh, adequate funding put in for the. Area four um, in the HSE area, and I think that now needs to be uh, attended to, and I intend to raise it again in the door later on today, um, just to follow it up because I don't believe it's, you know, it's a challenge for any parent to have a child that has a disability, but then it's an additional challenge when that parent has to wait anything up to 12 months to get that equipment. And I, you know, I will be doing everything possible to make sure that that list of 18, uh, is dealt with. Now, I do understand, in fairness to the HSC, there can be a delay from the time you send in the order for equipment because of supply, because sometimes the equipment is coming in from abroad. So there can be a delay and there are very genuine delays. But the problem is that they obviously cannot put in the order unless. They know they have the funding, and that's the issue now. We need to have the additional funding allocated. So this backlog of which, you know, up to four weeks ago was 28. There is equipment being ordered for 10, but there's another 18 where the equipment has still not been ordered.
3: Yeah, and also, you know, when families get to this stage where a child has been assessed and, you know, obviously a physiotherapist, a speech and language therapist, an occupational therapist will identify the need. You can be guaranteed, Colm, that that family has waited probably years to get to that stage because of waiting lists.
6: And the other issue, of course, as well, with younger children as well, is the longer you wait. The more it, the more difficult it is to uh, get the child used to the equipment and get them to get the benefits of it so if there's any delay and I mean especially when you have a child 4 and 5 it, that's a crucial period of time when you need that assistance and I think it's imp- extremely important that we try and resolve this issue and that's what I intend to to make sure that we come to a conclusion in this uh, in the fastest possible period of time and I've no difficulty with if there's any parent who has a particular difficulty in this area um, no matter where they are in the county because the parents that contacted me wasn't in my own concern but I thought it was a genuine, it was a very genuine um, issue that needed to be resolved, and um, that's basically what we've resolved it for ten children. The equipment is ordered. I can't say when it is going to be provided, but it will be provided within a within a set period of time. Um, but in relation to the other eighteen, the as I understand So you want the,
3: to hear from parents, is what you're saying. Yeah, if I think it a story, would be helpful.
6: Yeah. It would be helpful from my point of view in trying to resolve yeah, the outstanding yeah. issues, so that and we as,
3: can as as you say, I mean, the initial family that contacted you, they're still waiting, are they? But we know the order has gone in. With the orders, in. In. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think families <coughs> would cope with that if yes. they knew. Well, look, there might be a bit of a delay because we've got to get it. You know, it's internationally. We don't make it here. People will wait, knowing what the order is going in. But it's this sitting on a waiting list. Where it ha- the item hasn't even been ordered is w- w- desperately frustrating for families.
6: Absolutely, and let's try and get this resolved. And especially when you know, when I did the comparison between area four and area five, area five, there isn't a there was there isn't a waiting period area four there is which is the Cork Kerry um, region so basically let's see if we can get this resolved and um, I think it's important that we do that okay. for both the children and families involved.
3: Okay keep in contact with us okay. and, and let us know and thank you for that Colm thank not you not. for taking time out I can hear the bells uh, ringing in the doll in the background that is uh, Deputy Colm Burke uh, Fianna Gale Cork North Central Doll Deputy so if there are any parents out there with uh, children who are waiting on any kind of a medical device or the thought of a child who has been assessed as needing a wheelchair being put on a list and a year later they're still waiting just I can't fathom that in in my brain I really can't and actually it just went through my head when I was talking to Colm and I said I wanted to give a mention to it today some if you were listening to the programme last Friday one of our listeners contacted us because they were in a position where they had adult nappies that they were no longer using and uh, obviously they had a family member who had been incontinent who had been assigned these adult nappies and they're no longer uh, they're no longer needed. And when they went back to the HSC to see what the HSC want them back they said no because they'd been taken out of the boxes. Now they're still in the original packages but the packages would have come in a box maybe with six, four or six in each box and the original cardboard packaging was gone and the H C said no we can't take them back unless they're in the original cardboard packaging but as I say they are sealed and still in the bags and this lady didn't just want to dump them and she was wondering did did, did anybody need them or could we have any, any suggestions? And we'd, we'd, other people got on to us to say, yeah, something similar had happened to them in the past and they donated them to various charity shops. Somebody had sent them, had given them into a charity. I think that they went overseas to one of the African aid uh, cha- uh, charities. And then a couple of people said that they dropped them into local Vincent de Paul shops and they were more than happy to take them once they're still in the original bags and sealed in the bags for obvious reasons. I mean, they're sanitised sanitary products so we have to make sure that everything is okay with them. Anyway, I got contacted last night by somebody I know that works with the Vincent de Paul group in Charleville to say that they she had heard from somebody else <laughs> with adult nappies and she had a particular case, a particular family in mind who desperately need those adult nappies and it's a, a family that are currently battling to try to get their uh, child-assessed for a medical card but as we know what medical cards because of means testing and all of that they're battling the system at the moment because if you have a medical card then you are entitled to those nappies free of charge. In the meantime this family are having to fund and pay for those adult incontinence pads and they are we should be calling them incontinence pads rather than adult nappies because I know that's offensive to some people my apologies but anyway this family are paying for the incontinence pads themselves and they are really really expensive uh, items so my friend was saying do you know do you still the lady who you contacted you, do you still have them we made contact with that lady this morning she's actually because I didn't know where she was from she's at the other side of the county so we've got one family down in West Cork going to help out another family in North Cork so we put them in contact with each other and we're going to arrange to get them from West Cork to North Cork so we can get them to this uh, family so just to say that there was a follow up on that and when I spoke to the lady this morning she's more than happy uh, to pass on the incontinence pads to the family That's, uh, that needs them at the moment in North Cork and I really do hope that that family gets sorted out sooner rather than later and the issues around assessment for the medical card I hope that gets cleared up quickly because trying to fund the cost of incontinence pads long term really really difficult. 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Court today on
4: C103 with John Cusack Insurances Can Sale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See MIG.ie.
3: A wry look at the classic ads, unexpected crazes, and viral moments from the worlds of Irish entertainment, sport, history, and much more are all contained in a new book. It's an A to Z book called A. That's gas. Joining me, one of the authors, Kunak uh, McGann. Good morning to you, Kunak.
7: Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I- I'm
3: very I'm very welcome and you're welcome to the programme. Can I just start by asking you about your name? Kunak. <laughs> it's a, it's an actually it's an old Russian
7: word. My parents just liked the sound of it and they had chosen uh, they chose ended up choosing unusual names for all their children. Uh, they just liked the sound of it.
3: And w- what are the rest of your siblings?
7: Well Oshin was my my elder brother and he got away uh he got away easily and then <laughs> there's Kunak Barack, Erica and Darius.
3: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I'm sure people ask you, are you Irish with a name like that? Coon oh, act. yes, I get
7: that a lot. Yeah, yeah all the time. Yeah.
3: It's a very unusual name. Now, people will remember uh, some of your previous books. The, the Irish Mammy in Your Pocket was a hoot and the A to a Z of uh, Being Irish. And you, you produce these books along with your friend Sarah Cassidy. Um, how did you decide on this one?
7: Well, funnily enough, this wasn't even our idea. It was our editor's idea, our editor, Nicola Reddy. And she was, she was actually working on another book, uh, a, a more serious history book. And she thought there hasn't been a collection of those sort of mad moments in, in Irish, particularly in popular culture and, and sport and things like that, where we were absolutely captivated by them at the moment, you know. And, um, and Sarah and I often write books about sort of dipping into nostalgia and, and kind of the quirks and... the the eccentricities of, of Irish culture and it seemed to fit the bill very well.
3: And what is it? We all love... To dip in and out of nostalgia. <laughs> we
7: do, we do. I think I suppose we do. We all wear our rose tinted glasses yeah. and, and we have ideas that things were maybe easier than they were back then. And I suppose if if anybody's struggling now it's easy to look back on twenty or thirty years ago and think, Oh, do you remember when? Um and I think it's something that brings us all together too. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're say something to your siblings. If you mention a particular ad to your siblings or your friends, you're all straight back there, you
3: know? Yeah, and and you know, the front cover has it's a cartoon sketching of um, Theresa Manion. That's right. And as soon as I saw it, uh, when it landed on, on the desk in the office, my first thing was, don't make
7: unnecessary <laughs> journeys. <laughs> don't you, take risks on treacherous d- roads. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> and know, I, we all
3: remember that moment. And that's what this book is. It's full of things that are just so Irish and that yes. only Irish people will, will get. So I've, this, I've this. randomly gone through the book just to talk about some of them. And actually, John Paul has gone to the bother of uh, taking some audio out for us as well. And, oh, and okay. we'll take a listen. But iodine tablets. totally.
7: I know. Do You know, I was just saying to Sarah that I only just threw out my iodine tablets there a little while ago. I think it was, what year were the iodine tablets now? I must check that. Um, and they were given out in, in the wake, I think that they were in the wake of 9-11 and the government suddenly decided it needed to do something in case we there was a nuclear attack. And so they sent iodine tablets to every house in the country. And um, and that's what we were supposed to do in the event of a nuclear attack: was don't drink the water and take the iodine tablets, and it was to help protect us against radio, radio, radioactive poisoning.
3: And we'll all remember God be good, to Gudzowryn Finucane's such a funny interview that she did with <laughs> right, Minister, Minister Jacob. Oh my <laughs> God, right. it was just actually. I can tell you, Kanak, uh, I, I still have my iodine tablets. <laughs> well, you
7: know what? They were they're out of date now. They're they doing are you no good at all, Patricia. They you are, know, throw them
3: in but, the bin. <laughs> but it was. 2002 was when we got them and I remember right. when they went out a date within I don't know how many years was on them And we I think checked. it was only three years yeah. so it was only going to cover us for a little and while and we checked at the time and we hang on to them they don't actually have a <laughs> sell by date or so now not that I would consider taking one of those iodine tabs. <laughs> I think would probably
7: be a danger to yourself probably, taking them out.
3: probably so, Soda Streams
7: Oh soda streams do You know we wanted nothing more Than a soda stream When we were younger And we didn't get one For ages and ages And they were just Oh do you remember All the kids And the twisty bottles And having the fun And, and uh, being able To make your own Soft drinks at home sure it was Every child's
3: dream Not great for the teeth Though <laughs> Now who who, who remembers All the words to this Let all the traffic Past you Five. Then walking Straight across you
7: Six, keep walking
3: That's the safe cross code now that's the original one with Brendan Grace. There there has right. been a subsequent one since do you know all the words you do? Of course I do, and I would say everybody my age knows all the words. It did its
7: job very well, didn't it?
3: It did, it did. And yes. uh, you've got Zig and Zag in the book.
7: Ah, uh, yeah, sure. For I mean, just they're they're like an institution in Ireland, aren't they? I mean, absolutely. And we were also proud of them and they were just so I suppose anarchic and funny and oh gosh, a whole generation of children reared on them.
3: And then only last Christmas they brought the show back and actually only this That's week right. we, had, we had Sinead Quinlan uh, only yesterday actually Sinead was on with us she did the Roving Reporter she was the Cork comedian that was on it and they're all devastated that they're not bringing it back again this year which I, I think know, is a big mistake. Such a, such a feel good thing for,
7: for, uh, for Ireland I think it was brilliant that they brought them back.
3: You and uh, Sarah both fans of Johnny Logan and What's Another Year? Oh,
7: stop now. Do you know what? I'm more my I'm I'm more of a Hold Me Now. vintage oh. Al. yeah, because <laughs> I was I was a wee bit young for What's Another Year, but Hold Me Now. My God, I was my heart. I was well taken with Johnny Logan and
3: his suit. And this is for the coming up to the time of the year. And
7: he's
4: been <Britain's>
3: Well, i just say, whenever I go into pennies at Christmas, I find myself in my head <laughs> singing that song. It's the so weirdest thing. It's the sign of a very good ad jingle, isn't it? Yeah, you get, what is it, an, um, an earworm. You just right. can't. We'll be singing that now for for, for the rest of the day. <laughs> and obviously then when there's Christmas tunes, and this is very Irish, fairy tale of New York. Oh,
7: yeah, absolutely. And um, kind of Irish in terms of, you know, not strictly Irish, but we, God, we took it on hook, line and sinker we absolutely love it and people will belt it out in all the pubs in the run up to Christmas
3: and still we'll do it we'll do it again this year if we're allowed to belt out songs absolutely one thing that I would always associate with uh, Christmas and you've it in there is Sidona
7: I know we always had Sidona in our house growing up and I I think it was kind of it was like the children's Kind of a chance to play at being grown ups as well. You felt a little bit extra grown up drinking that out of a wine glass, didn't
3: you? Well, I, I'm. I grew up in Clonmel, and that's where Sidona is made ah. in the Bulmers factory. They make they make the Sidona, so we really felt we were drinking alcohol. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> uh, but of course, people in Cork would say it was Tenora. That's
7: right, but yeah. that's
3: that's not that's in, the local
7: favourite. That's yeah.
3: not in the book, though. Sorry, I apologize. We did put that in a previous book, I think. <laughs> you did, I'm sure. I'm sure I read about a previous book Gay Burns Prank by Mike Murphy. Oh, yeah. I couldn't, that's 1982.
7: I know, it's so far back, isn't it? And actually it's worth digging it up on YouTube if you can because it's hilarious. You know, Gay trying to keep his cool and Mike Murphy being just totally absurd dressed as this ridiculous Frenchman and Gay Byrne finally breaking and telling him something very rude which was quite out of character for Gay Byrne. It's a great moment.
3: Yeah, and whenever it, like, it, it crops up like regularly on Reading in the Years and it's yes. one of... I, I don't know what it is about it. It makes you laugh every time <laughs> you, even though you <laughs> know does. exactly what uh, what what is coming. <laughs> it does, yeah. The, uh, you're, you're probably were well, you too young? The big snow of 1982. She would've been too young to remember that. I was I was about six when or it was... happened. Yeah, so I do remember. I remember that. I I remember like making
7: proper snowman and. Snowballs and coming in with the hands tingling with the cold. Um, I don't really, and I remember getting the days off school. I don't really remember any of the sort of the grown up troubles there were in 1982 in terms of navigating through the snow.
3: Yeah, and of course, then we the beast that kind of got replaced by the beast, in, indeed, the beast yes. uh, from the east. But everyone talks about that—the big snow of nineteen eighty-two. Uh, hashtag home to vote. That was a kind of a proud moment, wasn't it? It
7: really, really was. And I remember, I remember when somebody somebody texted me and said, "Look at this," and it was just such a lump in the throat moment. It was so wonderful. Um, to see people kind of rallying and all the effort they were coming home to vote it was really it was really kind of patriotic and uh, you know spine tingling
3: Yeah and you've got sporting moments in it did you have Cork well represented Cork six in a row That's right yeah, yeah
7: absolutely yeah. who did it before well before the dubs as well Yeah uh, Well done the Cork ladies absolutely fantastic it dominated the sport
3: Yeah and of course when we think of Cork and Cork sports sport yeah. Close your eyes and full like down <laughs> <laughs> <On> and the boy <laughs> <laughs> so we're so proud of the O'Donovan boys i tell you that heroes
7: absolutely wasn't it fantastic
3: yeah it was it was really good and there's lots in it about where, uh, uh, musical memories but this is the one I think this I was saying when we were talking yesterday about what ones we picked out both myself and John Paul went for this one
1: <laughs>
3: again that's one of those songs that if it if you're at a wedding or something and it gets played it gets everybody up on, on uh, the floor it
7: does sure it's great fun and the, all the girls dressed in the double denim and they fought like their dad <laughs> well, they were brilliant
3: they were they were listen it's a delightful book congratulations to yourself and Sarah on it will there be what's, what's next in the pipeline for you well we'll have to we'll have to go back to our editor for another brilliant idea ok <laughs> <laughs> and, wh- and what both do you do outside of writing these, these quirky little books well books? we both we actually met we both
7: worked in publishing at the time and I'm still in publishing and Sarah is off teaching
3: now. Oh, is she? All right. Well, well done. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely, lovely book and I think it's one of those ones I think that's going to pop up. A lot of people will be receiving this I think as a Christmas present. It's, it's terrific. Listen, it was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank, I, you thank you too, for that. Fisher, thank Thanks you. for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Kunak McGann who along with Sarah Cassidy it's published by O'Brien Press and it's, ah, that's gas.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: I was speaking about that book that's out, Ah That's Gas and it's about ads and fads and mad happenings that swept the Irish nation with a lovely caricature of Theresa Mannion, which is so whenever you see Theresa Theresa Mannion with the microphone and the little beanie cap on her when she was just windswept that night when they sent her out in the storms telling us all not to make unnecessary journeys and we touched on Soda Streams uh, as one of the fads contained in this book. A listener says My husband asked my eight and Six year old child, what they thought I would like for Christmas. Imagine my dismay when I received a soda stream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you got many hours of fun out of the soda stream. They came back in fashion there, didn't they, a few years ago? I mean, they were huge back in the 80s, even though, as the book, when the book is writing about the soda streams, it says everything about soda stream was iconic. The creme de la creme of 80s drink and retreat for the kids. A gas canister was required to give the drinks that special fizz, and the parents wouldn't just let anyone use the machine. The gas doesn't grow on trees, you know. Those curved glass bottles were all. Also in short supply. So children of larger families took a sip of the fizzy deliciousness and grudgingly had to pass it on to somebody else. Okay, yeah, I could imagine you were surprised opening. We we must do that coming up to Christmas um, in a fun kind of a way. Disappointment with Christmas presents where you try to act all excited and say, wow, what a gorgeous, gorgeous present. But secretly you're fuming. It's like somebody buying... I once heard of somebody buying uh, someone um, a vacuum cleaner for Christmas a husband buying a wife a vacuum cleaner for Christmas and uh, Hoover and thought it was the greatest uh, present ever and like she wouldn't accepted it but she was raging about it afterwards And but hadn't the nerve to say to him that she was actually bitterly disappointed or somebody else bought someone a frying pan a set of saucepans and a frying pan and when was quizzed when the husband was quizzed so said what made you think that I wanted a frying pan and a set of saucepans for Christmas he said we were in a shop and you were saying that and they (laughs) love that a lovely set (laughs) and uh, yeah so you've got to be careful when you're buying a Christmas presents like that. 1850 103. I mentioned the Christmas bonus that's going to be paid out from the week of December the 6th of this year. Somebody says, Patricia will, when it's a and it's 100% bonus is what's been paid out, will the bonus be paid out on the house household benefits package as well? And I've checked that for you. The Christmas bonus is 100% of your normal weekly payment. It includes the living alone allowance and the island allowance and the over 80 increase. But the Christmas bonus doesn't include double payment of the fuel allowance. And I'm assuming that's what you mean by the household benefits uh, package. And the minimum Christmas bonus that will be paid out is uh, 20 uh, euro. But it gets paid out on the week of the 8th of uh, 6th of December that first week whenever you get your payment at that week eighteen fifty three 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 one o three. Oh, this is something that we picked up on Twitter Aoife Moore the political journalist with the Irish Examiner uh, she was questioning Stephen Donnelly this morning and um, uh, Steve Dunham I'm assuming going into the cabinet meeting and he's called for a decrease in discretionary social contacts to reduce Covid uh, spread and when Eva Moore asked him what exactly does that mean he says don't be going to nightclubs three times a week now I don't know how many people go to nightclubs three times a week but the minister is saying don't be going to nightclubs three times a week. The minister did say that office Christmas parties can go ahead but he said they can go ahead if they're done the right way and if they are in line with guidelines so Christmas parties and you know I know our company here made the decision with the rising number of COVID cases not to have a Christmas party this year we didn't have one last year either I don't think anybody had Christmas parties last year so only time will tell will some businesses decide to go ahead with Christmas parties but the minister you can do it but make sure that they're done the uh, right way we were talking about uh, adult incontinence uh, pads and We sorted out one family from North Cork has been sorted out by the kindness of a family in West Cork and we're arranging to get those incontinence pads uh, delivered. Well, Rose rang from Tharistock into Manway when she heard us talking about it and she said they actually have some of those uh, disposable incontinence pads uh, they currently have two boxes that are not open the rest are in pa- package but they're, they're fine and if anybody in the Domamway area is looking for it and we saw somebody else from West Cork was on to us as well uh, it, it seems as a problem that when people get them and then they're no longer needed the HSE don't take them back and that seems to be the issue. Nobody wants to just dump them or throw them into the bin so it's nice that people are trying to pass them on. So charity shops seem to be doing well in taking them in and then trying to get them to people that uh, really need them. And Anula is tweeting us from London to say a query with her her NHS COVID vaccination cert and would it be accepted in Ireland for dining and in pubs when home for Christmas does she have to get a European COVID certificate and the Vintners came back to say that the NHS cert is accepted acceptable for entering hospitality and that's going to be so important because we are hoping this Christmas that, you know, a lot of people will be travelling home for Christmas and for some, some didn't travel last year, some did travel last year and we had all kinds of problems because of it but I imagine there's going to be more people trying to come home uh, for Christmas and of course with hospitality open and will please God be fully open and remain open over Christmas. The COVID certs are going to be more important than ever. So, that is good to know if you have relatives who will be coming home for Christmas, that their NHS COVID certificate is going to be recognised here in. Ireland when they come home. So that uh, certainly is important. 1850 333 Now we had, this is a follow up that we got thanks to the council for getting back to us on this. We had a few calls regarding the installation of footpaths in Castletown Bear. Callers were claiming that the works had stopped within the last while and people wanted to know why. And you know, why? It's because it's not finished and it's like they've stopped mid uh, work. Some were claiming there wasn't lighting in the area and because of that it was dangerous because the footpaths, the installations footpaths hadn't been uh, completed, so we got on to the council to say, "Could you let us know what's going on here? Will the works resume, and how much longer do they expect the works to go on for?" Well, they came back to us to say that works on the Castletown Bear—it's the R five seven two approach road—they've been going on now since November of twenty nineteen, so they're two years in the mix. To date, they say Cork County Council has installed over two thousand eight hundred metres of either. Combined three metre wide footpaths and cycleways are two metre wide footpaths and they have completed over... 9,750 square metres of full road construction. So they've got a lot of work done and it's including the installation of new surface water drainage scheme. Now, the reason the works have stopped. They've temporarily halted in the vicinity of Deanish Bridge. The reason why they had to stop was to facilitate the relocation of the ESB substation and public lights. These works are necessary to construct the south side, which is a combined cycleway slash footpath and to create a right hand turning lane. At the Danish Island Bridge Junction. Now, once those relocation works are complete completed, works then will recommence on the road and the footpaths. The works that people say have stopped. So then, as I say, we did also say how long more do you expect those works to take to take us? And the council say it is anticipated that works will be completed on the project as far as the Bridewell Junction and they'll continue until July of next year. So there's, there's another good half of next year to go on that. But just to allay people's fears, because they just saw uh, suddenly the works had stopped and were they coming back? They are coming back and they are going to finish off the great work that they have been doing so far. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. Can I give a piece that I saw in the paper that I want to give a mention to, because we're always trying to, keep people as safe as possible particularly from bogus uh, traders scammers now particularly targeting vulnerable and elderly people in Cork City and uh, County and according to the Gardaí they are defrauding some elderly people out of all of their life's savings the the Crime Prevention Officer for Cork City is Sergeant Brian McSweeney, and he's warning that bogus traders are a big big problem here in Cork investigations and prosecution of bogus traders are ongoing and just last Monday the Gardaí in Cork arrested a man he was in his 40s and they firmly believe that this man was involved in scamming many people Sergeant McSweeney warned that the criminals can be very convincing they can arrive in very slick looking vans they'll have professionally printed leaflets and it's so easy to print up these leaflets that look very very professional they'll have a bogus work uh, address and of course they have the gift of the gab and that's unfortunately is how they're offering reassurance to the people that they are legitimate Sergeant McSweeney is warning the public be aware of any tradesperson who knocks on your door touting for business anybody looking if there, are, there is a job that you need doing in the house and the best piece of advice that Sergeant McSweeney can give you is word of mouth ask somebody else if like it's if it's guttering for example that needs cleaning out or needs replacing find out from a family member find out from a neighbour did you have your gutters done who did it and, and get a name and a number that uh, way and if you any kind of building work word of mouth and recommendations are the best way to go and even at that the Gardaí safety If you're still unsure about somebody who you're about to employ, they say contact the guardee. The Guidee will be able to check for sure that the person is uh, legit. Sergeant McSweeney said the big thing at the moment now is roofing. And these guys call to people's door, they offer roofing uh, and what they're doing at the moment is they're trying to get a deposit from people. And, you know, as Sergeant McSweeney said, they look very professional, they have all the right words, they have the gift of the gab, they're, you know, they're silver tongued sales uh, people, but they don't have any trade and they have no intention, some of them, of doing any of the work all they're intent on doing is getting a deposit for from you. And he said they have no problem hurting elderly people. How they sleep at night, I just don't know. And he said they're getting deposits from people and that they take off and they're never seen uh, again. And he makes a good point. Highly skilled builders will not call door to door for the simple reason is they don't have time to do it. They're all working flat out. The biggest problem you're going to have with highly skilled builders and tradesperson is finding somebody who has the time to call to uh, your house. So that's where you're going to to be patient with somebody who comes to you. Highly recommend it. Sergeant McSweeney said some people in Cork have put their life saving into building works over Covid only to later find out this is when the work does go ahead that the work is uh, unsafe. Uh, And he gave an example of somebody who had to then go Want to dismantle a defective building? In one case, somebody um, had to pay or paid twenty thousand euro for a sunroom, and it turned out the sunroom had no foundations. They then, when it got inspected by an engineer, said, "Sorry, that has to be completely knocked down." So then they had to pay somebody to come in to actually knock it down. Sergeant McSweeney said, "Cold callers." to a house, particularly people living on their own, they see the vulnerability of the age group. They'll notice maybe a leak, a leaking chute from outside. They'll call to the house and then say, oh you've got water dripping there. If you don't get that fixed, you're going to be a big problem coming into the winter. I can sort it out for you. And some of these guys will actually attempt to go up on ladders. Now they don't do anything like the work that they're meant to do and they can actually do more damage. And then they charge exorbitant prices when the job is uh, finished. On Tuesday of this week are the, in Cork, actually ran a Crime Prevention Day. They had checkpoints up trying to catch some of these fraudsters travelling around uh, the county. They also had information days for people in living in Blackpool, Wilton Merchant Ski at the shopping centres there. They did you know pop-up information days which is a brilliant idea and uh, they said despite recent warnings, unfortunately people are still allow- allowing bogus and road traders Access to their house. Sergeant McSweeney said they're carrying out poorly finished work inflated prices but now they're discovering that some of these scam artists are calling to the door they're taking deposits from people in good faith and then they disappear and they're never seen again and of course somebody might have this very professional looking flyer but when you try and ring the phone number on it or the business address it does not exist and he's encouraging anyone who may have been affected by this form of crime to please contact the Guardian immediately and that's also important because we would have heard from people over the years who had been conned by these bogus at Trader's. And then they're too embarrassed, too embarrassed to tell their family members and certainly too embarrassed to tell the Gardaí. And the Gardaí say, please don't be embarrassed because these guys are good at what they do, these scam artists. And that if you have been a victim of this crime, to please make contact with your local the station in order for them to build up a case against some of these rogue traders. 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103.
0: The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork
4: County Council, delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See Corkcoco.ie.
3: Ducas Clannacilty, their heritage Zoom lecture. It was on the industrial heritage of West Cork by Dr Colin Ryan of UCC. It's now available for playback and you can take a look at it on the Ducas Clannacilty Heritage Facebook page. This week, books for Kildonary's Home Bingo are now on sale. All the usual outlets, they have a snowball prize of €350. The Blackwater Valley Makers have a brand new premises at 12 McCurtain Street in Fumoy, and they're inviting people to help celebrate with a wine reception and music amongst their beautiful arts and crafts. It's happening on Friday, the 12th of November, this Friday, half past six. The makers are privileged to welcome RT executive producer Sarah Ryder, as their guest speaker on the evening and visitors can afford to a lovely, lovely uh, night. And the Arch Stores on Main Street in Donnerale, they'll host a coffee morning. It's for the Autism Assistance Dogs of Ireland. That's happening next uh, Saturday. And it's on from 10.30am.
0: Court Today on C103. With
4: John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie
0: This is the Court Today replay on C103.
3: And when I mentioned about somebody getting the somebody's contactor said they got a soda stream for for Christmas because the husband asked the six and the eight year old, what do you think mammy would like for Christmas? And uh, the kids, of course, oh, she'd love a soda stream much to Mammy's uh, dismay. And then I mentioned that I I knew of somebody who got a saucepan set and a frying pan from her husband. And when she quizzed the husband as to why he bought it, he said, I saw you admire me in the shop. I thought you'd love it for Christmas. And she willingly accepted it. Somebody says, here's one to beat. I got a lawnmower for my 50th birthday. I'm using it since and I'll be 60 next year. Please don't call out my name and I won't. Uh, It's a female. And I don't know from the tone of that text were you happy to get the lawnmower for your 50th birthday? You see, it's okay if it's something that you actually want. You know, if you want it, it's fine. but If you didn't want it, what a lovely, happy surprise uh, to get. Uh, but the fact that you're using it 10 years on, it was obviously a really, really good uh, lawnmower, however, and I take it it was the hobby purchased it uh, for you. Long may you continue mowing the lawn with that lawnmower. 1850 333 103. Now, I mentioned that somebody had texted us to say that they were at the Smoky concert in Killarney last Saturday night and they said what a fantastic night it was and how well run it uh, was. Well, Someone else was on, Linda was on to say they were at an event, it wasn't the Smoky uh, concert and it was up the country but they said never asked for a COVID pass. Um, no one was wearing masks including the staff. Nobody asked about COVID passes, no contact tracing, no name and number uh, take, taken. Linda said you would actually think it was 20 19 and pre-COVID times we said we were the only ones in the restaurant wearing masks and they felt a little bit out because they were the only ones I should have left maybe you were in a situation you couldn't get food anywhere else Linda but that that would scare the life out of me but Noel and Anna Shannon was also at the Smoky concert in Killarney uh, Good afternoon to you Noel Hello Patricia um, You're agreeing with that listener who said the INEC really need to be complimented for how well run the Smoky concert was last Saturday night No we're having a problem Can you hear me Noel? no we're having a problem okay uh, that was an old from Indishan and he was agreeing 100% with the texter he was saying that Smokey concert was just fantastic and how they conducted everything and he actually said that they were in the queue you know queuing up to go in and they were checking everybody's COVID pass you had to have photo ID to prove that the photo ID matched the name on the COVID certificate and he said there was a couple ahead of him in the queue and when they got up with their COVID certificates they said photo ID please and the couple said oh we haven't got it with us it's back in the car they made them return to the car to get the photo ID. She said it was really, really well run. Uh, Noel said we were out in some uh, restaurants and they were OK, but not many were actually asking for the photo ID at the same time. So he also agreed with our previous listener that felt very, very safe at the Smoky concert and well done. And as the previous listener says, if something the size you know, a venue the size of the INEC can run something as professionally as that with a large group of people. You know, our previous listener was saying, why can't smaller venues do it as well when you see something like that being so uh, well uh, run? Now, calendars. I mentioned this yesterday. Lo and behold, two calendars in the post today. We started this last year when we were aware how difficult it was for charities with the pandemic and all of that to raise money and lots of charities and organisations produce really really beautiful calendars and a calendar is something that we all buy. We all need to have a calendar in the house even though we all have the smartphones and all of that. I couldn't survive without my calendar um, hanging up in the kitchen. I almost use it like a diary or write things in. It's a great way for everybody to see what everybody else is doing if you write it into, write up on the calendar what is happening and you never forget things if you put birthdays up on it etc. Anyway allowing for all of that we're asking people organisations and charities now it can't be commercial it must be a charity or an organisation that's using it as a fundraiser if you're producing calendars get the calendars into us please so that we can physically see them and physically talk about them and between now and Christmas we'll do our very best to mention as many of the calendars as we can just to try to encourage people when you're out and about that you might consider when you need to buy a calendar you might consider a charity and a gorgeous calendar has arrived for the dogs for the uh, disabled and thank you to Eleanor who is the office administrator for dogs for the uh, disabled to say there are 20 22 calendars are now available and you can purchase them at dogsfordisabled.ie and they are 10 euro and the 10 euro includes the postage so that's really good uh, value and of course Dogs for the Disabled they provide assistant dogs for children and adults who live with physical disabilities in uh, Ireland and 2021 has obviously been a hugely hugely challenging time for the dogs for the disabled uh, families and so trying to raise they need to raise money uh, more now than ever and as you would imagine for Dogs for the Disabled the calendar is full of the most adorable photographs I tell you they've got puppies so three puppies on the front asleep on on, on like a sheepskin rug you just wanted to snuggle up beside them. Gorgeous, gorgeous uh, photographs. It really is a beautiful beautiful uh, calendar. So that's one you might consider. Dogs for ie, and then well Bantry and Beara their 2022 calendar this is by the Bantry Community Tourist Office and that's where the calendar is on sale and if anyone has been to Bantry or Beara or you live in that area or you have family members who are from that area this is a must uh, calendar such Got really really beautiful photographs of Bantry and Abera and it looks like the sun is shining and clear blue skies in most of the photographs and sunset at Bantry Bay Golf Club for December is just stunning really a stunning photograph they're absolutely beautiful the inner harbour of Bantry Bay and the reflection of the buildings in the bay is just beautiful and there's my favourite flower the fuchsia at Countryside Views of Bantry Bay gorgeous gorgeous calendar do I have a price on that I don't it's probably 10 euro most of the calendars are around the 10 euro mark but if you call into Bantry Development and uh, Tourist Office uh, you certainly will be able to get your calendars there they also I imagine if you contact them through their website bantry.ie and they visit uh, Bantry their social media platforms as well so we wish th- that's a, that is another beautiful calendar Bantry and Abira and thank you to Eileen O'Shea for gathering that into me and she also sent me on these gorgeous blank cards The one on the front is the beautiful Fuchsia and uh, they're selling their cards that are on sale as well at the tourist uh, office so good luck to all of the charities who are selling calendars this year with the reminder as I say if you do if you are involved get the calendars into us please and we'll continue to mention them as I say between now and Christmas you can send them in to Patricia Messenger C103 Gould's Hill in at Mallow. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your course. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103.
0: Court today on C103 with
4: Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie well,
3: I was just mentioning what a tough time it has been for uh, charities trying to uh, fundraise when we're promoting our Calendars and our charity calendars uh, for this year. Well, the boys and girls of Share are once again out and about fundraising. Would you believe they're in their fifty-first year? And their fundraising campaign for twenty twenty-one will officially kick off with Yellow Day on Friday, the twenty-sixth of November. Joining me at the um, the chair of Share. When you're ready to pop the
0: question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
3: And that is Ronan McAuliffe. Good morning. Good afternoon, to you, Ronan. it's come past twelve. Good afternoon, Ronan. Hello. Hi. I'm I'm very well, and and you're welcome. Do you believe this year is more important than ever with isolation felt by so many during the pandemic, Ronan?
8: Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, the truth is that there are so many people that are um, that are elderly that are isolated that you know have relatives abroad that haven't been able to come over. And um, because of COVID and because of all of that. And, like, last year, especially, the any of the residents in any of the share complexes weren't able to chat with the students for very long. And whereas, you know, this year, it's pretty much been the first time in two years that they've had the students going around visiting them. And, you know, we're we're doing our Yellow Day campaign at the moment and um, to raise awareness of the fact that there's so many people in so many um, communities that are isolated. I mean, it could be the person that's just down the road from you. It could be your next-door neighbour. It could be your grandparents. And, you know, our slogan for this year's campaign is say hello to someone you know. And, you know, the, the meaning behind that is just even a small bit of human-to-human interaction can really brighten up people's day. I think that um, for Yellow Day, what we're going to be doing is asking all schools in Cork on the 26th to dress up in yellow. And, you know, this is going to be students raising awareness for the elderly people that are isolated in all of our communities because people that are you know that are very very close to us you know that are, our grandparents our next door neighbours and all of those that are isolated that haven't had people to talk to during Covid so that's why it's so vitally important.
3: Yeah it could be as simple as an elderly person standing at their gate and you walking by you can socially distance you can keep everybody safe but just stop and have that chat.
8: Yeah that's really it that's that's the whole thing behind say hello to someone you know. Just, just something even as simple as, hello, how are you? You know, is there anything I can help you with? Yeah. And just, just those simple things make such a big difference to people's lives. And, you know, they haven't, like, there's a lot of people that haven't had anyone to talk to and um, during COVID. You know, they've been isolated from their families. So, you know, at this time, more than ever, it's so important to uh, talk to people that are isolated
3: yeah and I mean, even though this morning we an elderly person contacts us, they've already received their booster jab, but still nervous about going out and going out into social events and 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 that element of nervousness is still there amongst particularly amongst older people
8: yeah it, it it certainly is, and like um you know as I was saying last year they weren't able to go and visit the residents as much because you know we didn't have a vaccine there yeah. but, uh, but now this year when we're doing this, we you know We have to have our sanitizer, we have to have masks and the whole lot. And, but even then, you know, it. you know, some of the residents wouldn't like visitors in because of the risk of COVID. So like, you know that's why it's so important that when you're passing people even just down the street just yeah. saying hello,
3: yeah. you know. Yeah, somebody inside a window and the window's open, have a quick chat. It's, it's very easy to do and it'll take very little out of your day but it di- might just make or will make such a huge difference to the person that you're chatting to. And Roland, then the fundraising side of of things, do I take it we'll see the boys and girls out on the street in the run up to Christmas at the crib?
8: We will, yeah. So we'll have our crib and um in in the middle of the city as well, and in eight different shopping centres, we'll have cribs as well. But yes, um, on the 14th and um, to the 24th, those ten days, um, if your students and most of students who Cork will be, will be hitting the streets and doing the collection. And um, yeah, that will be going ahead as normal.
3: And they still do the 24 hour fast, don't they? The students collecting.
8: Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um so, like yeah, we have to we have to make groups of people to do the 24 hour fast and. Like um, I think we're going to have four or five people doing it, but I'm well willing to do that.
3: Well done. I, I listen. I was. I remember last year talking about the fact that it was the the, the 50th. It's just. It's hard to believe. Uh, 51st a year that you've been going since uh, 1970. And is did I read 140 housing u- units you now have?
8: Yeah, it's 140. And um, like I mean, when you think about it, you know, all of that's been done by students. It's been paid for by the students going out collecting. Like, the original complexes back in the early 70s were actually, you know, built by the students themselves. And, like, we went from, I think it was 12 houses on Clock on Barra just on Shear Street, to now having close to 150. So, you know, like, that, that's the impact that the generosity of everyone in Cork has, you know, so that when our students are collecting, that's what it's going to. It's going towards housing those people, and it, it's so, so important.
3: It's incredible and there's no way that that first group of students back in 1970 could ever have known 51 odd years later that it it would still be up and running.
8: No, like I mean um, you know, what happened originally was that um, a speaker came in and was talking to the students in press and said, you know guys um, people don't work, or sorry, systems don't work people work. And he said, you know, on your way home, walk through the inner city, look around you and see what problems they have, or there are. And they said, they came back the next day and they said, you know, there's a lot of elderly people that are homeless, because when they were building council houses, it was mainly families that were put in there, and a lot of older people were left behind in the inner city. So initially how it started was that they would go up and they would visit them, and they would you know, wallpaper the houses, and they do all those sorts of things, and help clean the houses. And then um, Eventually, then the landlords put up the rent because, you know, um, houses that they were living in were being nicely wallpapered by the guys doing share. So then someone suggested, you know, we'll go and build houses. And back then that seemed you know, be ridiculous, but they went out and did it, you know. Um, people that were 16 and 17, 15, and six year students went out and they, uh, they housed 12 people, which is just incredible
3: to think about. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And to think, as I say, 50, 51 years on, 140 housing units. It is incredible. Uh, Ronan, we wish everybody good luck once again with Share as you embark on fundraising for 2021. And anybody out and about to please give as generously as possible because you are a wonderful, wonderful charity. Thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Bye bye. Good afternoon to you. Ronan McAuliffe, there Chair of uh, Share. For this year, as they start on their fundraising for 2021, couple of texts in. Thomas and Band says Tricia, I was at that Smoky concert as well in Killarney. Very well run. Looks like half of Cork county headed out to Killarney for Smoky. Smoky, we've got a lot of fans. But then somebody else says, "Well, you told them the Smoky concert. And I'm not going to name the venue, but it's a venue in West Cork. We were there on Saturday night. No COVID certs. No contact tracing. No mask wearing." We'll say that all the staff were wearing masks. It didn't bother us to be honest. We're starved for music. We had a splendid night of music singing and almighty crack. And that's from a West Cork listener. Patricia, you mentioned Soda, Oh, before I go to the Soda stream, somebody says we're over 70 and our COVID vaccine from our, we got our COVID vaccine from our GP, but our GP has now informed us that they're not doing the booster jabs. What do we do now to get the booster vaccine? We're going to find it hard to travel. Well, any of the GPs that have opted not to do the booster jabs, they are informing the HSC you unfortunately will have to go to a vaccination centre don't know where your text is coming in from but you will be contacted directly by The HSE and for when your date and time uh, is and your GP isn't the only GP. There are a number of GPs who are opting not to do the booster jabs. And someone else says you mentioned soda streams. I'd love to buy a soda stream as I use sparkling water all the time. The problem is, I don't know, is it possible to get the gas refills? It absolutely is because I did a quick Google search and those soda streams are on sale all of the electrical shops have them. Some of the major supermarkets sell them as well. So once the fact that they're selling them you'll be able to buy the canisters as well. So any electrical shop selling them will also have the CO2 gas cylinders on sale as well. OK, that's where we wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Cork Today on C103
4: With Sean Cusack Insurances can Kinsale now part of mccarthy insurance group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
1: hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter